Welcome to the Humans of Payroll podcast. My name is Melanie Pitsy. I am the CEO of the Global Payroll Association. During this series, I wanted to introduce you to some of the talented, driven and hardworking individuals I have met within the payroll industry. And what better way than the Humans of Payroll podcast? Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Humans of Payroll. And I'm really excited because I knew I have a new co-host, uh, Tiffany from Amidis. So Tiffany, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Mel. Really excited to be joining you as your sidekick for the Humans of Payroll podcast. Uh, so for our listeners who I haven't met, my name is Tiffany Appleby. I serve as the SVP of Marketing and Strategic Alliances at Amidis. A really nice long job title there and a lot of work. <laughs> long as possible. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. And um, for our first episode um, with Tiffany, we have Yako. So Yako, would you like to introduce yourself? And and I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I couldn't pronounce your surname correctly. So please fire away with that and, and let the audience know um, what you do as well. Great. Sure. Thank you, uh, first of all, for having me. And it's a pleasure to meet you, Tiffany. So my name is Jaku van Amarve. I am the payroll pundit, which really just means I have a lot of opinions about payroll. And uh, I'm always looking for people to stand still long enough to listen to them. So this is like a dream come true for me. <laughs> that's, well, that's great news. And so whereabouts are you based in the world? Because you've got a South African accent, but I know you're not based in South Africa. Yeah, so born and raised in South Africa. And about four years ago, uh, I upped and left and I now live in Canada, um, which is obviously a very big change. Uh, after four years, we're still getting used to the weather, but really enjoying it. And there's a lot of uh, interesting learnings here. The way that things operate in North America is uh, not always the same as we've seen in Europe and Africa for example so learning a lot so uh, does that mean that you're actually processing Canadian payrolls or are you doing global what's the situation yeah so I'm actually not processing a payroll at this point in time although I always try and keep as close to processing as possible that really helps to sort of keep me relevant and uh, up to date with changes in not just legislation but also um, new developments in the industry and what sort of uh, new features and technologies are available to us to make our jobs easier but I do at this point in time focus on sort of strategic global payroll management and it's a whole lot of buzzwords but essentially my main goal is to connect businesses with solutions so really uh, trying to understand particular pain points in payroll processing and then uh, connecting with a broader network to um, make sure that those businesses find solutions for the problems that they're having to improve the payroll process and really to make sure that our people get paid accurately and on time. So do you find that there's some really bizarre situations then if you're because you sound like you're in the thick of it then with these clients? Yeah, I think the um, biggest learning for me uh, the past couple of months that I've sort of been working in this space is that businesses don't really know what they want. And I think that's compounded by the fact that uh, payroll departments don't know what they can give their business leaders. So it's sort of like this catch-22. We've all been speaking about a seat at the table and justifying the seat at the table and, you know, proving our worth and all of that. 
I think at this point we're going to have to um, have serious conversations about what payroll as a function is, what it can do, so that we can prove that uh, strategic benefit to the business leaders who often don't necessarily know what is the right option, the right tool, the right solution for a payroll uh, process. And it's up to us to educate them. We're definitely seeing, yeah, and we're definitely hearing the same thing from our customers and, you know, other organizations that, um, yeah, there's this push and pull, this this need for data, right, or this expectation that um, payroll teams will be able to provide global data, but we don't see a whole lot of organizations have, you know, a consistent way that they're presenting payroll data that they're even processing to be able to do that in a way that's um, not a just tremendous manual lift for these payroll teams. Yes, and what we've also seen, for example, uh, to uh, add on to what you've said, is that the payroll team really don't actually understand the value that they have in their hands when they talk about or when they look at their data. Um, sort of data analysis and being able to present data points in an um, easy format for the leadership to understand uh, in charts and graphs is such a, an important skill that we must all be honing right now because really that is where the message uh, lies. That is where um, payroll can honestly show its strategic value to business leaders. When we've um, run surveys with Amidas, actually, um, some of the interesting things have been all about data and, you know, how, you know, we always talk about how to get to the seat to, um, you know, to the table. And when we've run uh, webinars previously, the question is, what data? What data data do I need to use? And I think there's there needs to be so much education within payroll leaders and people coming up the ranks of understanding what is the data that CEOs or business leaders want to know because actually payroll's got that data like you know you guys at Amidis in your um, software or software providers you hold this data don't you that um, payroll leaders like yourself uh, Yake that can use to present to the board. And that is, yes, that is so true um, because what we've seen with the development of payroll solutions over the past, let's just say 25 years, is that we had reports on dot matrix the dot matrix printers that uh, gave business leadership the data that they needed to make information or to make uh, informed decisions. And that has evolved where payroll solutions would have more complex reports, more data points on reports, even to the point where we've seen report writer technology where users were able to sort of draw up their own reports and choose the data points to be represented on the reports that the payroll system prints because that in itself tells a story. And I think that we've evolved beyond that now. We are now really at the data analysis frontier of payroll reports. You need to decide which data points you want on the report so that you can determine whether that informs the story that you are wanting to tell. And and being able to put the report together and interpret it or showing what it means is one thing. But I think being able to analyze the data in reports and to extract from that key messages or important points for the leadership team to be aware of is a skill set on its own. And that's really something that we've seen develop in the payroll space the past couple of years, perhaps not because uh, we want to necessarily, perhaps the environment that we are operating is necessitating that and is necessitating the need that we get better at learning from our data, learning from the mistakes that we've made, how do we make those things better and we really do that by interpreting the data points that we have, which is why it's so important to have a tool or a partner um, provide the right system 
questions and reports and uh, data points for us to be able to use the, to have those discussions with the leadership team. So Yako, as you work with clients and you have these conversations, right, as, as they're reimagining maybe their payroll strategy um, and talking about the types of data that they need to provide or that they could provide the business with to be seen as more of a strategic voice, right, or seat at the table, what is customer's response to that? Or is there fear? Is there uncertainty? Is there excitement? You know, what do you hear from as you challenge them to to kind of take this next step to level up from a data perspective? Yeah, the response is uh, different depending on, uh, you know, which table you are sitting at. Let me say that. So with the leadership team, I often find a bit of nervousness around what if we look at these data points and we extract the stories and we don't like what we see? So what if we, for example, look at pay equity over the past couple of years or look at pay equity across different locations of the company and we don't like that uh, we see that there's a problem? Uh, How do we go about fixing that? What does that mean? How much money will it cost? You know, there's always sort of that uh, what if we open a Pandora's box kind of environment. And then when I have these conversations from an angle where we talk about payroll processing and getting the most out of the uh, data points that we have with people physically, you know, processing and pulling those reports that we spoke about uh, earlier, it's really sort of a disconnect between... I don't really know what it is that I can show the leadership team. Like, I don't really know what these trends that I'm witnessing means. And I mean, that's pretty understandable, right? So we are not uh, doctors, for example, but I can tell you that if you've had the flu every week for the past eight weeks, that there's something wrong and you need to go see a professional. It's sort of like that kind of conversation. I can see trends in payroll data. I can, for example, see if people are um, off sick on a Friday or on a Monday. Day, or I can see if people work overtime um, to get um, you know compensated for for that overtime work before or after going on vacation. What do those trends tell us? What does that tell the leadership team? Are there differences in geographies? In other words, is there something that one branch of the company is doing right and something that another branch is not getting right? And then what are those differences uh, globally when we compare uh, international businesses or global businesses? Is it cultural differences that's for example, causing people to work more overtime in a certain location, or is it really just sort of job ethic? And payroll professionals uh, sit with these data points in their hands, but they don't quite understand it. They don't quite know that this might be something that the leadership team will be interested in. So to bridge that sort of gap, I often like to, um, you know, come in and have conversations with both ends and really just figure out what it is that you can do uh, from the payroll uh, processing people. What skills and capabilities do you have to extract knowledge or information from raw data? And then for the leadership team, what sort of topics are keen are you keen on exploring what sort of pain points do you have where do you feel that you should focus attention to get the business right where do you feel improvement to sort of deliver strategic value and then just marrying those things and quite often it's really bringing the conversation down from you know big buzzwords uh, that we see in the industry like um, I don't know pay equity and social responsibility reputational damage to simply data points in a payroll system 
What are men being paid? What are women being paid? Let's put a few demographics on that, age, level of education, uh, location, and see what the story tells. And quite often the conversation then just grows organically. Once you bring these two sets of people together, they figure the rest out amongst themselves. Because each situation is different. Each business situation is different. The, uh, one business might be interested in completely different sort of data points and discussions on those data points than the next. So there's really no sort of this is the you know golden path this is if you follow these steps you will reach nirvana they have to sort of figure that out on their own and that's really where we marry the raw data that we have in the payroll department with the strategic insights that the leadership um, you know walks around every day wow i feel like i want to get all this data together now (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I think, you know, we always say that we want to improve the profile of the payroll industry and, you know, because I I feel like we're quite quiet as an industry or seen as quite quiet. Um, I mean, we're all payroll geeks, so secretly we're we're not. Um, And I think the data is the way to improve the profile, isn't it? That seems to be the key. And, And do you think that payroll professionals need to almost become marketeers, you know, have a bit of Tiffany's skill set as well. Yeah, I think payroll needs a lot of soft skills, actually. In order to really sort of move payroll to the next frontier, there's all sorts of soft skills that we should be investing in. And marketing and effective communication is definitely one of them. Um, I've heard, for example, situations uh, where... When payroll does actually get invited to meetings, when they do have a seat at the table, they don't really know how to articulate the value that they bring. That's something that we should definitely be focusing on. I also think that uh, in spite of um, not just data analysis and, you know, sort of working with data um, being the um, gateway to the next frontier, it's further than that. It's beyond that. It's uh, technology in general. For example, we've heard about blockchain. We've heard about cryptocurrency. We've started to see a few um, podcasts and white papers in the payroll industry about what does this mean? How would you leverage it? Should you even look into it? Those sort of things, I think, is going to change the way that we live. And it's not just um, the computers or the systems that you use. It's, It's what they can do for you. We've seen artificial intelligence, for example, create copies of famous paintings or that creates paintings in the style of famous painters. That is a machine that created that. Those paintings are being sold for millions of dollars. We've seen artificial intelligence create pop songs based on samples from what is currently on the top 100 hit list. And those songs are actually very popular. That is a computer program that created that. We've seen artificial intelligence write best-selling novels. I mean, if you just pause for a second and think about this is a series of ones and zeros that's producing so something so wonderful and so um, immaculate that other people are prepared to pay for it. So we've seen that happen in the world in general, and that is going to happen to the payroll industry. The question really is, are we ready for it? How will we interact with that? And how will we leverage those sort of technologies to make things better? How are we going to ensure that we don't get left in the dark ages? I've seen the last couple of weeks, for example, um, time and attendance processes still taking place on paper. 
the leadership team said to me, this is a disaster. You know, we're operating like 40 years behind and um, what can we do to improve it? And the answer is very, very simple. Microsoft has free artificial intelligence technology that you get with an Office 365 subscription. So if you work in an organization that uses Microsoft's Word and Excel and Outlook, you probably have this. You can train this artificial intelligence um, software to extract from a picture or, for example, a scan timesheet, certain points of data that you want, like name, surname, daily rate, number of days work, put that into an Excel spreadsheet and import that into your payroll system. So now we don't have to pay people to sit and manually capture information from an Excel or from a um, paper timesheet anymore. That sort of technology is available to us today. Ernst & Young, for example, has done amazing things with that in the Nordics. That information is available all over their website. And that is something that all of us can be doing today, but we don't. That isn't something that's prevalent or that you see very common in payroll practices when you go and you know look really deep into how do we get from uh, gross to net or how do we get from time to pay. Those sort of things we don't see. And I think it's time that the industry as a whole sort of uh, climbs on board with the technology um, piece and how technology is progressing. Because whether we want to or not, that is going to change our lives. It's going to change our jobs. And so the first response I always get to that is, you know, it's going to take my work away and there'll be nothing for me to do. So payroll administration as a profession is dying. And to that, I'll always say, and this is sort of the best response that I've come across in my life. I've watched uh, the movie Hidden Figures. And Octavia Spencer's character says to a room full of ladies, when they say to her the same thing, this IBM machine at NASA is going to take our work away. She said to them, somebody's going to have to push the buttons. So instead of worrying about um, how technology is going to take your job away, rather um, spend your time learning about the technology, what it is, what it can do, and how to push the buttons. Because that way you get to do the fun stuff while the machine does all the boring admin. Mm -hmm. And yep. you're, you're right. Sorry, Tiffany. I was just saying in one of our surveys, um, we asked the question, you know, are you considering RPA or, you know, automation? And the figure was quite high of no. I think it was over like 70%. Um, it, and they were, they were leaders as well that answered that survey. So it's definitely about education. What, Tiffany, what do you think on that? Yeah, that was such a great analogy, Yako. First of all, it's a fantastic film if anyone hasn't seen it. And I do think that it you know, is so in line with what we're seeing around, you know, the evolution of a role and the fear that can cause, right? If you're, you know, someone sitting in your seat and you've never been one to spend time on, you know, analyzing data or automation, you know, what does this mean for you? And I think that's just a perfect analogy of, you know, being able to get in and start to understand um, and it's an opportunity to get to do something new and different, uh, which exciting though certainly can come with, with some fear, which is understandable. Yes. And one thing I'll also say to that is when I hear about those fears, when people complain that I want to, I want to sort of show my value. I want to get into data analysis, but I don't know how, and I don't know what it is. The answer again, very simple. Depending on who you ask, the statistics will differ, but apparently YouTube how-to searches have increased every year for the last five years with like 70%. People are literally Googling how to do a VLOOKUP. 
how to do a pivot table, how to, I don't know, merge Excel sheets, how to, you know, do all sorts of fancy stuff. That information is free. It is available in any sort of um, environment that you're in, whether you're watching at home on a big screen TV or standing in the shopping mall, looking at your iPhone and getting that sort of information there. But that learning is readily available everywhere. And I'll say I've found uh, particular uh, problems that I haven't been able to deal with, you know, um, complex formulas and, you know, all sorts of difficult things that I haven't been able to, uh, you know, just get the hang of it. And I always return to YouTube. I have a list of uh, people that I follow there. If you want some recommendations, don't be afraid to ask. But there's all sorts of clever people on there that shows you how to do these very difficult things in small bite-sized chunks. So really, there's nothing for you to, afraid of, to be afraid of because the least you can do is go watch one of those videos, give it a try and see. See if you've learned something, see if it works. Yeah, you don't have to go to the library anymore and check on uh, check out the book on how to use the IBM uh, yeah. for sure. No, I definitely do. I'm sure Mel, you too, at least a few of the how do I searches every week. And yeah, you're exactly right. You learn something new in like two minutes. Yeah, and you don't have to get a degree in data science to be able to have a meaningful conversation about payroll data. You don't have to wait four years. <laughs> so what, what did we used to do in the old days when we used to get the old books out? So thank God for YouTube, really, isn't it? So, um, Yaka, just to sort of like find out a little bit about yourself. So I can tell, I think Tiffany will agree with me, that you're very passionate about the payroll industry and, and your career. You can just... Here, hear it in your voice. <laughs> okay. how, did it all, how did it all start out? Like, where, where did you start and how did you get into payroll? Oh, I think there's uh, no payroll conversation um, that goes without the story. So I am going to have to be one of those that admit that I didn't grow up as a toddler running around my mother's house going, I can't wait to be a payroll manager no? one day. You know, that was definitely <laughs> not me. Unfortunately, I am one of those that just sort of fell into it. I will say, I think, and this is where perhaps my um, story is a bit different. When I woke up one day and realized that I am in the payroll environment and that I do operate in this space and, you know, that's the job that I have, I decided, I consciously decided I was going to be the best payroller that I can be. Whatever shape or form that takes, you know, if it does take me to a podcast show with the Global Payroll Association at some point, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I will do it on my own terms. So really sort of um, deciding the areas that I wanted to learn more about, deciding uh, the skills that I wanted to hone, um, and essentially what that has uh, all meant, you know, and how it all sort of played out over the last almost 15 years is that I started in payroll administration. It was uh, all Excel. I didn't know what payroll was really, so I had to spend a lot of time uh, learning uh, about what payroll was. Even then, there was a lot of YouTube videos on the topic. Um, and I had to sort of make sure that uh, I understand the um, process and the, um, you know, whole essence of payroll before I touch other people's pay. I think that was one of the um, big things for me is I know the reason that uh, I wake up in the morning is to make money. It's to earn money. So people say, oh, are you passionate about payrolls? Like, yeah, I am, but I'm more passionate about paying my bills, you know. So, uh, And I think everybody sort of agrees with that. People come to work for a reason. And I want to make sure that the reason that they come to work, the money that they come to receive has been calculated correctly, has been um, reported on correctly, and has been paid on time. 
So really sort of understanding payroll and what it is so that I could see if that kind of work would align with my own values and, you know, my skills and that kind of thing. I would say that I uh, did a few bunch of a few uh, HR things like recruitment and, you know, talent management and all of that. I found my sort of home in payroll because uh, Excel and maths and, you know, being um, all sort of left brain work really worked for me. And I, that's why I enjoy payroll. The sort of uh, rhythm to it, there's a system a process and that really works for me and uh, I've spent my time processing payrolls obviously first in South Africa um, then into um, northern Africa up until the Middle East and when I finally entered the global payroll space what is it almost five years ago my mind sort of just exploded and I saw well there's this whole world called global payroll and essentially it's all of the little problems that I've had about payroll all of the um, snags and challenges that I've seen in payroll and all of the countries that I have worked in but on a global scale and that sort of brings a different dynamic about how do we address these challenges how do we align how do we streamline how do we make things easier how do we get what we want from the payroll process and I've really sort of enjoyed working in this space the last couple of years. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've just been in the payrolls. I've always been in human capital management, um, but have just come into the payroll space specifically about a year ago. And yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, there's always changes. There's always something new to learn. There's new complexities um, that organizations are facing. Something that I know we've all seen a lot as, you know, really accelerating coming out of the pandemic is this global expansion of companies. And, you know, having employees in more parts of the world than they probably imagined that they would have back in 2018. Yako, as you work with customers and or even even working with someone in their payroll career and they're just expanding into global, whether they're taking a new role or their company is expanding, what advice would you have for them having just kind of broadened your, I guess, expertise from being regionally based to global in the last few years? This is something that uh, I'm uh, very glad that we get the opportunity to speak about because it's also something that I'm not very good at, but I know that it is the answer to that question that you've just asked. And that's really networking. It is all about sharing knowledge and learning from other people. You know, you'll be confronted with a situation that you just don't have the skills, knowledge or expertise to solve. And you can accidentally meet someone at a conference, at a webinar, at a roadshow who will very quickly tell you, no, it's not, you know, that complex step one, two, three, there you go, your problem is solved. I really think that uh, connecting with other human beings and talking about payroll is where the learning lies. It's very, very important. I'm not very good at it. I mean, I, I don't make enough time for it and I do get nervous and am I going to say the right thing and what if I don't have any value to add? You know, all of those kind of things. I think um, what makes it easy for me is I'll just sort of close my eyes and say, okay, here we go. Let's let's just wing it. Let's see what happens. Let's see what jumps out of it. And quite often, it's uh, all of the good stuff that you hope will come from a conversation like yeah, and I, I think, think everybody's in the same boat. Oh, sorry, Mel. I think no, no, everyone's no, in the same boat. We had I was with two different groups of our customers that are based in the US last week, and we had exactly the same conversation, right? And how amazing it is, especially now that, you know, 
hopefully we're all coming out on the other side of the pandemic and we're able to be together, especially in person, that like the, the thoughts and ideas and knowledge that were shared, you know, in the rooms in both cities was fabulous. And you would never have gotten that from doing a Google search or even like, let me try to navigate my way through LinkedIn and find someone that has a similar role. So yeah, I think that that's very common. And I think taking advantage right now of having more in-person opportunities to spend time together and not being afraid or trying to not be as afraid of putting yourself out there and maybe not knowing something because it's likely the person you're talking to, if they know that now, they might not have known it, you know, a couple of years ago. Do you find it's exhausting now, though? You know, um, I, I've been obviously meeting more clients and, you know, getting um, back into networking. And I do I do love networking. I love meeting people. But um, I, was, I was meet, or I met a client um, a few weeks back who I've known very, for a very long time. And um, we were just talking, you know, as you do. And I just said, oh, you know, sometimes I get a bit of anxiety or, you know, I find it, you know, a little bit exhausting because you have to, I don't like, silence you know I don't like the gaps of silence <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I'm constantly thinking what can I say next and then by the end of the like you know meeting whoever you know I've really enjoyed it but then I think oh my god I feel like I've just been to the gym because <laughs> that natural that natural conversation you this know, you is why we're good co-hosts smell but I think it's true and Yako curious for your you know ideas and insights as well but I mean I do think that we've all gotten out of practice but what's comforting to me is as I've shared this with people like you did with uh your client that you were meeting last week I think everyone feels the same I haven't Mm -hmm. talked to anyone that's like oh yeah I'm just slidden right into you know doing all day meetings dinners networking happy hours you know being on all the time um Yeah, it's definitely a muscle. I think that most of us haven't been able to work out over the course of the last couple of years. And I think you underestimate your networking, Yako, because, you know, we've we've never met in person, I don't think. And we've met just over virtual meetings. And, you know, I I follow you on Instagram, which I love to do on (laughs) Instagram. But, you know, just because you have more interest in life than I do. I think I think you 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 know you definitely underestimate your networking capabilities because I think a lot of people do actually know you out there so I think uh, uh, people can learn a lot from you. Well, thank you very much. I will take that and run. <laughs> but what I will also <laughs> say is we spoke about soft skills for the payroll, um, the payroller of the modern uh, era to sort of hone and focus on, and this was one of them for me as well. So I spent a lot of time. Um, uh, reading some material on emotional intelligence and, you know, how to have the right conversations and how to have difficult conversations because that's not easy and all of those kind of things. And I um, actually have the um, same situation as you, Mal, where I don't like sort of a dead space in a conversation. And I would also fill it by saying stuff. And that means that the distance between my mind and my mouth is often very short. And I end up saying stuff that I don't really mean. 
So I've had to spend a lot of time um, working on that, honing that skill and sort of being quiet to see how the conversation evolves. And I will say it is actually worth it. For anyone that suffers from it like I do, it is worth it to do that because when you keep quiet more, you hear more. And then often you get to hear all sorts of interesting bits about people that you've been having conversations with for years, but you've never sort of really allowed them the opportunity opportunity to speak when they want to and to say and it's also interesting when I sort of keep quiet to see whether the other person suffers of this and if they (laughs) would want to fill the space so it's really entertaining as well (laughs) that's so true really true so what what one common um myth about payroll would you want to debunk then what what gets you go Mm, yeah, so there's so many. I mean, I am a pundit after all. <laughs> Which one will I choose? I think the message uh, would really be for the payrollers of today, people who have their hands on payroll or who work in the payroll space. And this is very, very important. Payroll isn't just about paying people anymore. It's not. Payroll is about so much more than that. And payroll as a function, payroll as a profession needs to change. And it is up to us now to make that change. And so quite often people ask me, what do you mean? What what sort of give us an example? And really, if you look at the history of HR as a profession and how that has evolved, I mean, at one point, HR, just after the Industrial Revolution or something, had a very weird name. And I, I Googled it earlier because I wanted to reference this. And of course, now I forgot it. But go Google it and see see what the the evolution of HR as a profession. Um, and at one point, we were called human capital. And then they said, no, don't call them capital. They're not machines. And then we were called resources. And don't call them resources. There was something wrong with that, too. And now, I don't know, I've seen um, HR jobs being labeled as people and culture and, you know, all sorts of stuff. I think the same thing needs to happen with payroll. I think we need to band together and we need to rebrand what payroll is. I've seen in many organizations the um, sort of institutionalization or setting up of a global payroll center of excellence. And I really like where that's sort of going. And I think this center of excellence needs a name. We need to come together and we need to give it a name. And this name would really sort of encompass what payroll is and all of the intersections in the payroll space. So it's not just about processing payroll anymore. Uh, Look at the intersection between payroll and time management. So manage upstream a bit, go and collect the data from employees, from timesheets, from time clocks. Um, Go and, for example, pass that pieces of information to another intersection, which is absence management. Um, where employees are on vacation, where they are not, what sort of vacation needs to be paid out when they terminate. You know, those are all intersections at the payroll um, uh, profession that I think we can explore more and that we can own more. For me, managing upstream and managing downstream just means that I have more of the process in my control, which means I feel more confident that things are working the way uh, it should, the best way that it could. And I don't uh, get that um, confidence quite often when there are areas beyond my control that just sort of feeds into the payroll process. A key um, partnership that I've really seen evolve and that needs a lot more evolution is the relationship between payroll and benefits. You know, what is taxable, what is not taxable? How do we report these things? Should we know, should we not know? When do rates change? And 
you know, all of those kind of things. So payroll is a lot more than just paying people. And we should sort of use this opportunity to push it into the frontier to where we want it to be, really highlighting what it is that we can do. And at the same time, let's do something fun and give it a new name as well. Because payroll sounds so admin-y. It sounds so yeah. just administrative. I love this concept of rebranding payrolls. Maybe that's a maybe that's an audience contest, Mel. If anyone oh, has any great ideas on how we can rebrand payroll, but I do think it makes a lot of sense because it does sound very administrative. It's the same name it's had for I don't know how many years. So as we think differently about, to your point, like pulling in the extra inputs up front, working with you know the various teams like benefits, um, and then even kind of elevating the function to include more of the data stuff that we talked about earlier, the data analysis. Yeah, I think it's a great time that, you know, we really start to have the same kind of look at payroll as we did at HR. Yeah, and the same thing is happening in the finance space as well. So we'll see, for example, in the past, um, people would just be called financial managers. Now, all of a sudden, they have all sorts of interesting titles. There's a dedicated sort of section just for treasury. Finance has a dedicated work stream just for tax. You know, you don't have to be a financial manager anymore. You can be any one of these things. And we're seeing the same with payroll. I've seen uh, job um, jobs advertised for a vice president of time and attendance. Like, what exciting times are we living in? Where would you see that sort of job title 20 years ago? We we see uh, global mobility and tax specialists sitting in the Pyro Center of Excellence. We see um, a lot of, for example, uh, workforce management and uh, reporting and scheduling sort of uh, all tied to time and attendance as dedicated positions in the Pyro COE now. I think it's really time that we sort of uh, take our arms around all of these uh, functions and bring it together into one center of excellence, one tower that really speaks about what it is that we do. Can I, can I be a bit of play devil's advocate? So in the UK, um, we tried, well, we didn't try. Some people tried to change payroll and use the reward title. Um, but I think the issue was that people are so passionate, pay, payroll people are so passionate, and it was almost like, but we are payroll. We are payroll. So so the reward, you can see the titles now. You can see them, but it's very much payroll director. or. But I like the excellence I like that sort of you know wording um so I think it, it we do need to change but I think one of the big issues um which we're looking at which I spoke to you you about and Yako and obviously Tiffany we've spoken as well is actually do we need to do like a, a big campaign about what actually payroll does as well you know so we mm. you, you can do all these like fancy titles or change the titles and I agree with you Yako we are in an exciting time but I also feel like we need to all get together and really talk about what payroll does so that you know these podcasts are great you know and then having you on is really great because you, you talk about it but do you feel like that's one massive hurdle that we all need to get over I do. And I think the best way for us to do that is to get together and talk. So living in North America, I've had some interaction with the um, Canadian Payroll Association, now called the National Payroll Institute, as well as the American Payroll Institute and the uh, Global Payroll Management uh, Institute. So I've seen a, a bit of you know how it works here. And I must say, they're really very good at it. Like they get together, they have different chapters. These people fly in from all over and they, you know, sit in a hotel lobby and they just 
payro for like a week. That sounds like a dream come true to me. I must definitely make a point to go and uh, attend one of those next year. But these people sit in a room and they talk about what payroll is, what it isn't, what it could be, how it could be. And that is really where the new frontier is formed. I think sitting in your um, office, reading a white paper, or perhaps even I'll go as far as to say, listening to a podcast and um, attending a webinar is just the beginning your views and your insights as to what payroll could be for you with your skill set and in your environment with your organization is an important um, opinion and that is something that we need to you know you know share with each other so that we can understand payroll looks like this in my environment in my organization but my friend that i've just met at the i don't know um conference in wherever showed me that payroll looks completely different in their organization. What can I learn? What can um, I share? You know, how can we sort of help each other? And that's really how the function evolves. Yeah, and I think that's such a great point. And it's such a good, I think, area to raise, Mel, is the promotion, if you will, of the PR campaign of payroll within the business. Because I do think that, you know, most others, you know, consider payroll as my paycheck has been delivered to my bank account. Great payroll. Um, versus how can I work with my payroll team as a partner, you know, to the business to be able to, you know, continue to move us forward and provide me with the right types of insights uh, to be able to make decisions. So I do think it's a little bit of kind of a black art within an organization. It's like, okay, payroll, just make sure I get paid. So like, let's go on a campaign to make sure that, you know, others across the business understand, you know, what is it really? And what does it mean today versus maybe what it meant you know even 10 years ago so I want to get to the point where I travel and I don't get asked when somebody says to me what do I do I want to get to the point where I don't get asked what is payroll so that is my target okay there we go I think that is an achievable target Uh, we should we should all sort of work on that one Uh, that that kind of stuff should not be happening in today's day and age I know and and you just think like you know I've had barristers ask me like so what's payroll then you're just like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so um, we're coming towards the end of um, this podcast so it's it's been fantastic um tiffany is there anything that you wanted to ask or um Yako, is there anything that you feel like we we should ask you yeah i think uh, you know maybe my last question for you really is you know as you think about um and i think about kind of even the the um mature not maturity but kind of like the the evolution of the function and the tenure i would say maybe in the payroll function um, as you think about maybe talking to someone, if someone is listening that's very like young in their role, right? Um, you know, as you think back to your beginnings in payroll, you know, what advice would you give them? Well, first off, I would say congratulations because you've made the best career choice that you could have. As long as there will be an employer-employee relationship, those employees will need to be paid and they're going to need someone to do that. We're also seeing that payroll isn't getting easier. It's actually getting more complex, hence the need for more advanced technology and tools. So I would say congratulations. You will not be out of a job. You don't have to worry about that. But uh, in terms of moving forward, now that you've found yourself in this position and you do work in the payroll space, the best advice that I could give is to really sort of uh, focus on 
how you add value. So define for yourself what the payroll value proposition is. Um, so also, if we can get that term um, uh, viral, if we can get that circulating, that would be good. The payroll value proposition. What is it? Uh, what does it mean to you? How do you add value to your organization? What are things that you can do good that would um, supplement your payroll uh, process or your payroll profession? What are things that you could uh, learn to do better that would uh, as well support your payroll career? Focus on those things because at the end of the day, we know that businesses will need a payroll person, but will Will you be that person? Are you going to have the best skills? Are you going to have the best expertise and knowledge? Are you going to actually know enough to bring value to make a difference? So uh, I'm all about continuous learning. It might have to do with the fact that my mom's a teacher and that's sort of been ingrained in me. But YouTube, um, how-to searches, stuff like LinkedIn learning and Udemy and all of those kind of things, I love that because it's a, the best way for you to not only uh, deal with and face challenges that you have in your work environment today, it's also an opportunity to learn how much more you can do, how you would want to shape pay, the payroll value proposition at your organization. And once you have a clear idea of what the payroll value proposition is, what it could be, uh, do what it could be, then it is your job to not only teach other people those skills that you've accumulated, but also to have the conversations about what the payroll value proposition should look like. How should the payroll value proposition adapt and grow to accommodate our ever-changing business world? Uh, one key example of this is uh, work from anywhere and remote working and flexible working schedules because of the pandemic has caused a lot of uh, complexities and in increased intricacies in the payroll space. And the payroll um, function has had to learn how to deal with those things. We're all Googling tax laws all over the world all of a sudden. If we had known, we would have been better prepared. But now that we have this knowledge, now that we can add that as a value proposition, really sort of focus on honing it, polishing it, making it proper, bringing it into the payroll value proposition so that we can own that sort of work collectively. Wow, I think what, what a great end. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yako. Honestly, it's been, I, I've been looking forward to today and um, it's been really enjoyable. And I really do love your passion. So your passion for payroll, I think we might have to send you a notebook with that on. So uh, I think yes, it goes nice with all the P's. Payroll content with a passion for payroll. There's your new tagline, Yako. I love that. That's great. Well, Tiffany, I've really enjoyed our first um, podcast together. So um, it's been great and look forward to running some more podcasts with you. More, more agree, agree. Yako, thanks for being an amazing first guest for me. We've got a whole slew of guests coming up. So stay tuned for more episodes of the Humans of Payroll. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me, ladies. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for what you are doing for the industry. Thank you for keeping the conversation going. Um, and really excited to see where this goes next. Good luck with the rest of the season. Indeed. Thank yes, thanks so much. The Humans of Payroll podcast is recorded in partnership with Amidis. Amidis is the leader in consolidated global payroll solutions, processing payroll in over 150 countries. The Amidis platform provides a unified view of global payroll operations, 
real-time data analytics and advanced reporting capability while ensuring legislative compliance and data security. Amidas' deep integration capabilities with HCM and finance providers dramatically simplifies multi-country payroll obligations.